All right, I want to welcome you all to week four of survey of the New Testament. Um, we are looking at the gospels today. Uh, we're gonna uh, go walk through each gospel and give a brief um, synopsis or survey of, of each gospel, okay? So um, that was the, um, the reading assignment is just to read the gospels, um, get a feel of them, read the background, let me see here. This is yeah. This is the lesson. Uh, read the background and and all that stuff. So, um, so let's hop in here. Share my screen. Okay. I hope you all can see my screen here. I thought the this um, assignment was to finish the perspectives. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Let's finish the perspectives, and then I am hopping into the gospels today. So I guess after this um, lesson here, um, to go back and and read the read the gospels. So yeah, we're finishing up the perspectives and hopping into the gospels. Um, give me one second. I left my charger. <clears throat> Okay, so let's go ahead and, and hop into it. All right, so last week we were on the perspectives of the gospel, looking at the characteristics of a gospel and what does um, a gospel mean. And um, we looked at um, various religious groups um, that exist during that time um, and um, we looked at um, new, new religions and new belief systems that were coming on the scene that the Apostle Paul and Apostle uh, Peter, they had to um, basically address. And, um, and so um, we're, we're getting an idea of what the, the New Testament church, the, the first um, century New Testament church, had to deal with during that time, okay? And so uh, we also talked about covenants and uh, we looked, this chart here, this chart is gonna be kind of commonplace for us to uh, always um, look at when we're discussing covenants. And um, the, the uh, Israel, Israel, they were under the old covenant now, the question is, when we say Old Covenant, what covenant do we mean when we talk about the Old Covenant? Which one? Mosaic. Right, yeah. The, the law. Uh, yeah, the Mosaic Law. Um, or another name for it is the Sinaitic Law. Um, because it, it took place at Sinai. Um, so um, the, another name for it is um, Sinaitic Law. So yeah, that's something we want to keep in mind when, when um, the Gospels 
when Paul and the other apostles are mentioning old covenants, they are talking about the Mosaic law. So if, if, if there was, if now there's a new covenant, that means that there was something old, but we as Gentiles, we were never under the old covenant. So this is the only covenant that we are familiar with the new covenant. Um, and so uh, when you are, are um, like I said, when you're looking at the teachings of Paul, we wanna make sure that we have a knowledge um, of the old covenant and what he was talking about. Um, and so we understand that um, the, the law or the word of God was given to Israel first. And we looked at the scripture of Romans 3, 1 and 2, um, to what advantage uh, does a Jew have or what is the benefit of circumcision? Um, great in every um, respect. They were first trusted the oracles of God. And we have to respect God's divine order, how he used Israel to save a nation. And so now we are, we have the, the uh, opportunity and the availability to um, be engrafted in, um, to be considered um, a son, a son, a son or daughter of, of, of God, okay? And so in order to be an effective Bible student, you have to learn about Jewish history. Um, because we have to understand that the Bible was written to, for, and by the Jews. And we come in on the, um, the end of the, um, we come on the, the end of the first um, apostolic, I mean, on the end of the apostolic period. And so majority, at least 75%, 80% of the, of the scripture was written to, for, and by the Jews. So we have to um, understand that, okay? Um, so here is a little test, just a little pop quiz of what we've um, uh, been talking about, how the author breaks down the New Testament. So, um, and he, he um, breaks it down by, um, I guess, categories, divisions, and he calls the gospels the what, the new covenant what? What does he call the Gospels? How does he group the Gospels? Oh, all of a sudden, all these text messages. Um, oh, we don't remember how he, okay, let me give you the first one. Maybe it will jog your memory. Um, the author breaks down the New Testament. Um, the first section he calls the New Covenant Instituted. Okay, I hope that jogged your memory now. So what would be the section of Acts? What did he call that section? Oh, am I still connected? Is anybody here? No? Yeah, but where are we in the reading? And uh, we were supposed to read. Right, we're doing we're doing a quiz of what we uh, talked about in previous weeks. We're just talking about how oh, the New okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how how it was broken down. Um, and so the first section that the author breaks the New Testament down is the New Covenant Institute. What did he call the Book of Acts? The New Covenant what? 
And this is in the very, very beginning, actually in the table of contents of your book. Proclaim, thank you, Bridget. Bridget typed it in. Thank you, the, the new covenant proclaimed. So when we're talking about the gospels, new covenant instituted, we are saying that God, that Jesus brought the new covenant um, here on earth and he introduced it to the, uh, the disciples. Remember I talked about the, the, like the Friday night special for the disciples. They were able to partake of the new covenant first before anybody else. So Jesus came and he preached the gospel. He preached the kingdom um, there on earth to the, to the Jews first. So that means new covenant institute. Do, does anybody remember what new covenant proclaim means? Or another word for proclaim starts with a P. Nobody? Another word for proclaimed is preached. And so in the book of Acts, this is where we see the new covenant being preached, being spread um, across, uh, across the, um, the land. They're going by Jesus' geographical mission, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. It was also, it was a geographical mission. And at the same time, it was an ethnical uh, mission as well because it started out with the Jews and then about 15 years later, the, the gent it was finally um, presented to the Gentiles at Antioch, okay? So that's what it means, new covenant proclaim. It was preached. And that's what we get in Acts, a record of how the church grew, okay? Does anybody remember the, the epistles? The new covenant what? Explained. Explained. Explain. Oh, everybody awake. Good morning. So uh, New Covenant Explained. This is where we get our instructions as the church. Um, and so uh, throughout the epistles, Paul is giving, um, he's teaching doctrine and then he's teaching practical um, things as well. And this is where we get our foundational teaching. Okay, as the church. And the last um, section on the book of Revelation is called New Covenant Fulfilled. The New Covenant Fulfilled. And that's when we're, we see the New Covenant um, fulfilled. <laughs> we see, and then that's the, uh, where we see the, the end time and everything coming full circle um, through, uh, through the book of Revelation, okay? So these are things you wanna keep in mind when you're studying the New Testament. It helps you, um, it gives you a, a theme on which section uh, is about. So your expectations when you're reading certain books, especially like with epistles, you, your, your mind should automatically go to, okay, Paul is teaching something to the church. And then, of course, there's always um, historical um, situations that go on. But we uh, have to remember as well, sometimes Paul is in a teaching mode. He's in a correcting mode. And so those are the things we, you know, keep in mind. And it helps it helps um, handle the New Testament instead of looking at it all as just 27 books. Now you're able to break it down in sections. And now we're going to even break it down even more so the New Testament is easier to handle. Okay. All right, so that was just a, a little quiz uh, for you all. So, 
it's a little rough, but uh, that's all right. We're gonna uh, continue to truck on here um, in the lesson. So let me first, um, let me take attendance first. Um, so I won't forget. And then at the end, I'll just confirm everybody who was here. Um, so give me a second, I have a new setup here. So um, take attendance. Okay, see. wait a minute. We had to turn in a paper and we still got a quiz. I'm just saying. Girl, you on level, you supposed to be on level three. Um, we worried about that little quiz and that little paper. <laughs> you level three. You uh, right. <laughs> Unless you ain't signed up for level three, then you ain't level three. <laughs> well, I turned in my paper. I don't know what I signed up for, but I turned in my paper. That's all I know. Hey, I was wondering. I was like, did you even turn in a paper? I sure <laughs> did, ma'am. You know I did it at 2 o'clock in the morning, but oh, I turned it in. I ain't see nothing. Right, <laughs> right. Dracula hours. <laughs> right. Some suspicious hours, child. Who's up Listen. there? <laughs> Oh, with the class, Camille. Just Godly women, that's who's up. <laughs> right. Thinking right. about the goodness of the Lord. Okay, that's what they all say. Man, praise <laughs> God. Okay, hold on. I'm just marking it down. People who are on line here. Let's see. Tanya, Toya, Bridget. And Marquise. Okay, all right, I got it who's here right now, then I'll take it again at the end of class. All right, cool beans. All right, let me go. You muted. Camille, you're you're muted if you're talking to us. Can you hear me? Now we can. Yes. I'm gonna hit the button. Okay. All right. So, um, like I said, the end of this lesson, we're gonna learn about the authorship and date of each gospel, and we are going to be familiar with the purpose and basic outline um, of of each gospel. So, remember, when we're doing a survey, we're just hitting um, a few points. We're just learning about the authorship. We're learning about the date, um, the purpose, the basic outline and summary of each book, okay? So we're not digging into, into the scriptures, which is giving a, a overview of the books of the Bible. And so um, the reason why we give an overview of the books of the Bible, it helps, you, um, it, it helps you to build a framework for when you're studying and it keeps you focused um, on um, the theme of the book and not um, have this broad expectation of each book. So we talk about, you know, the, the author's purpose and the author's intent um, behind the book, and that will help you all study, okay? So this is a step of taking, you know, Bible study seriously, okay? All right. And then we're going to learn a more, like I said, learn more about the summary of each book. All righty, let's just hop in here. So the New Covenant Instituted. Let me make sure I am with my notes. Okay, sure. Um, so in our canon, in our canon of scriptures, 
you'll find the Gospels as the first genre or category of books in the New Testament, okay? So someone tell me, uh, we talked about um, last week, what is a canon? Anybody remember what a canon is? Something approved by the forefathers um, as the structure of the books of the New Testament, an Old Testament, all of it. The accepted <laughs> books. Right, there you go. From the Bible. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a list of scriptures, a list of books accepted by a faith community. So it could be any type of faith community. Um, the Muslims have their own scriptures. Catholics have their own scriptures. Um, Jehovah Witnesses have their own scriptures. So basically, it's just um, a list of scriptures that um, that a faith community um, deemed to be authoritative. So, yep. Okay, cool. Um, so would it be strange to see people try to create new canons today? Um, it, and, I, it, and I use the word strange. I, mean, I don't want to dive into who right and wrong. I'm just saying, would it be strange to see that today, even amongst, you know? Um, it, it, yeah, would be kind of odd because usually it's the, the, I guess the, the, those who are the founders or the, <clears throat> the beginning of, you know, whenever that religion was established, they usually establish the list of scriptures. And so for us 2000 years later, trying to come up with a list of scriptures, I mean, you can, because I think that's, per, I can think personally, um, that's what I'm doing, looking at scriptures and especially those books that are not in our canon, I'm considering them to be authoritative. And so it's, it's basically um, your perspective of what you believe, you know, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, uh, what you deem authoritative or whatnot. <clears throat> so they, I mean, they, they almost do it now when you think about it because <clears throat> constantly changing scripture, um, a lot of publishers, you know what I'm saying? Changing words and scriptures and taking out verses and things of that sort. And um, it's, it's really, it's going on now, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome, thank you. Yep, okay. Um, so another word in this first sentence is genre. What does genre mean? Isn't genre like, um, it's explaining um, I'm trying to get my words together. It's just, it's explaining one thing, but in a different way for, like, to understand it in a different way. I see. Yeah, so a genre is, like, like for instance, the Matthew is, is history. So mm -hmm. you have to uh, understand Matthew in that genre. Yeah, explained yeah. in that way yeah yep so genre yep it's is, is basically a type of literature mm -hmm. but just thick it's a type like jazz is a type of music right um, yeah so yep you have to understand it in that lane so yep okay. so it's, it's just a category it's category 
Yep, another word, just category. And um, like I emphasized before, um, each genre has their own rule of interpretation. So a rule of understanding. And that's something that we have to learn about um, each book of the Bible. And so the gospels that we're looking at now are considered history or gospels or whatnot. So with gospels, it's just giving us a record of what occurred and an understanding of what happened during that you know time period or whatnot, okay? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. All right, let's go to the second sentence, Sissy. But we now know there were likely <clears throat> first books to have been written among the 27 books. Um, from our previous, I think I mentioned this from a previous class. Does anybody remember what book of the New Testament was written first? Was it, was it Mark? No, no, not from the all. I'm sorry. Let me let me rephrase my question. Out of all 27 books, what book was written first? Probably, I probably don't remember. But remember, I think I said in in one class that the book of James was written before any book of the New Testament. It was written as early as 45, I believe 45 AD. Whereas the next book, um, uh, like you said, Mark, um, that, was, that was next to be written. And it was, I think er, like maybe the late forties or fifties, but um, scholars believe that James was the first book in the New Testament that was written. And it was the most disputed book <laughs> that was written because of they didn't understand James's viewpoint um, of his book or whatnot. So yeah, so um, even though the gospels are in our in our book first, they were not written first. Um, and so um, later after, like I said, the, the after James um, is Mark or the Pauline epistles. The Pauline epistles were written in the um, 50s and 60s um, and they're grouped together as one genre and is epistles, okay? So um, let me see here, let me go to the next sentence here. So why do you think the church fathers placed them first uh, among the New Testament canon? Um, does anybody remember why we have the order that we have in the Bible? especially the New Testament? I wanna say because it's, it's helping us to understand the development of the new covenant when it was instituted, when it was explained, when it was you know, fulfilled or something like that. Proclaimed, yeah, instituted, proclaimed, et cetera, et cetera. So what type of order would you say that is? So it's not really in a chronological as far as how they were written, but it was written how or organized how. In a thematic order? Yes. Yes, yes mother. Thematic. Hey. I, was hey. I was over here like, wait, wait, wait. I know this. I know this. <laughs> thematic way. Extra. Yeah. <laughs> Thematic is extra to me, yes. Lord have mercy. So the stories like what Tracy was talking about, 
how the new covenant was instituted, how, you know, it was proclaimed. Basically, it's telling the story of the um, the evolution of the new covenant or whatnot. So that's in a thematic way. And so, of course, with the new covenant, you start with Jesus, Jesus Christ. And so it would make sense to put the gospels first in the books to talk about his life and how he instituted the covenant and give, gave the... Um, that charge to the uh, apostles and things of that sort. So yes, it is written in a thematic way. I'm trying to wake y'all up with these questions, huh? <laughs> so uh, last is, is we also know that the gospels are not biographies, but they are perspectives of Jesus Christ. So why uh, can't we call the, the gospels biographies? Why, why not? Because they don't cover the entire life of Jesus. Right. right. Yeah. Like we got when he was an infant and then it jumps to when he was like 12. And then all of a sudden he's 29, 30 years old. <laughs> and so we don't we don't have uh, the whole story of Jesus Christ. And so the authors uh, of the Gospels are just giving us um, a perspective of Jesus Christ on how we should view him um as you know savior each book has their own um their own theme on how they wanted their audience to to look at jesus christ so okay all right good job y'all tracy for <laughs> you to be moving you move so slow you be hitting that unmute button awfully quick uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking you got your own little special unmute button <laughs> the little button buzzer Real quick, <laughs> it, it takes me forever to unmute, child. <laughs> so, uh, right. All right. So now we're gonna look at each gospel, um, and we're going to cover, like I said, the authorship, the place, the date, the basic outline and structure. And then after this class, it's our job to read, read more into this, take notes. Um, and to try to memorize these things. So when you finally sit down and study um, scriptures, you can keep these things in mind. It keeps you focused and structured, okay? All right, the authorship of Matthew. Somebody tell me who was Matthew, just from what you believe who he was. I'm like, now we just got out of a three-year class of the gospel. A tax collector. Yes, he was, he was a tax collector, yeah. I think that's pretty much everybody knows that he was, mean... <laughs> he was a tax collector. And um, in that, being a tax collector, he was very wealthy because um, it was a common thing for tax collectors to upcharge folks and they will pocket the rest. And, um, and that's where Jesus met met Matthew on in, on the road in, in a little tax booth or whatnot. So yeah, he was a um, tax collector. So um, for the most part, we have external evidence to support the position that um, Matthew or Levi, one of the uh, Jesus 12 apostles authored the gospels that bears his name. From the earliest times, Matthew was recognized as the author of this gospel. A fragment of the lost work of Papias, Bishop of Hierapolis in Phrygia um, is the earliest evidence. So go on page 79 in your book. Um, 
let's see here. My page number is a little different. So I believe it's 79 that starts the authorship of Matthew. Um, that first sentence at the top, it says, um, since none of the gospel writers identify themselves um, in their writings, it is necessary to rely on early church fathers as well as evidence that is within the gospels themselves. And remember that the early church fathers, they were students of the apostles, okay? So they kind of have a firsthand um, account on you know, the, the doings of, of the apostles, okay? Um, and then it hops down to that sentence that says from the earliest of times. I think that's the sentence we just kind of went over in the, um, in the PowerPoint there. Um, Papias, he was a student, actually he was a student of um, John, Papias was. Um, and so that's kind of interesting to see. And then go over to the um, next paragraph. It says the many others such as Justin Martyr, Irenaeus and Jerome agreed that first gospel was penned by Matthew. Although not being conclusive evidence, it's noteworthy that all the early copies of the first gospel have the heading according to Matthew. And so um, the key here with this is that the early copies, but they, they didn't say the original. So the copies um, have the heading according to Matthew, but the original did not. And so that's why I said not being conclusive, but, um, but because of the testimonies of their students, they said that, yeah, Matthew wrote Matthew, okay? And so, um, and so we have to rely on the um, testimony of the early church fathers because there isn't a lot of internal evidence. So when I say internal evidence, I mean um, uh, resources or information in the scriptures. So you don't see Matthew outright saying, I wrote this letter. You know what I'm saying? You don't see that. Um, and so what we're going to do, looking at these, looking at the Gospels, we're going to look at if there's any internal evidence, and then we're going to look at external evidence, which is um, testimonies of the church fathers. This will be considered external because it's not in the Bible. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Let's go to the next one. Talked about, okay. Talked about who was Matthew. I looked at that scripture here, Luke 5 and 27 talks about. Uh, when Jesus met um, Matthew or Levi, you see that um, on the road um, and tell him to um, basically follow me. And that was a big, that was a big thing for Matthew to do because he was a tax collector and he was rich. He was a publican. Um, and so for him to just drop everything and to follow this, this Jesus, um, it was a, it was a big deal. Okay. And then on, I think a few paragraphs later, it kind of talks about um, him being a tax collector and the, you know, the implications behind that. So definitely um, read that when you get um, a chance. Um, let's go to the next one here. So the place and date of Matthew. So it is important that students become familiar with the role of human vessels in the process of inspiration beyond the mere writings of the books themselves. Now I've been asking this question every week. What is inspiration? God's thoughts in human land in human language. language. That's it. It's God's thoughts in human language. Yep. And they were inspired to write down God's thoughts. Okay. Awesome. Um, so in other words, New Testament writers may have written the New Testament, but it was uh, men after them who mostly contribute to the preservation of their inspired accounts and writings. 
the focus of this work um, have left us with a great deal of inconclusiveness. Um, let's see here. I just need to probably get a hard copy book so I can stay in line with the page numbers. Um, let's see here. Place and date. Okay, yeah. So the place and date. Um, the first paragraph, uh, place and date, it says conservative scholars are generally, generally agree that Matthew wrote prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 because it speaks of the event as future. So when we're, when we're for now on, when we're talking about the New Testament, you're going to see that date, 70 AD. It is a very pivotal moment um, in, the, uh, in Judaism um, is when the, the temple was destroyed. Um, and so therefore, if the temple was destroyed and some aspects, the religion was destroyed because there was no place to do sacrifices and to offer offerings, um, the temple, it was the way of life. It was, it was um, basically everything that, um, you know, considered their religion and they, they went there every day. Uh, remember, this is the place where Jesus drove out the, the money changers. Um, this is where the Jews hung out every day. And now 70 AD, it was destroyed. And so um, we, we will understand, especially talking next week on the, um, the, the importance of why the temple had to be destroyed and the, the implications of the, the transition um, that God gave time to the, to the Jews to transition out of Judaism. Okay, um, so it took them about 40 years to transition out. And once that 40 years was over, then the temple was destroyed. Okay, so it has spiritual implications as well. Okay, uh, the next paragraph um, under place and date, it says the issue of the date uh, of writing depends partly on whether or not Matthew was written before Mark and thus was the first gospel written. Um, we kind of talked about this synoptic problem last week. Uh, modern scholars have generally held to the priority of Mark's gospel, believing that uh, both Matthew and Luke borrow heavily from Mark, but the evidence put forth for the priority of Mark is not as strong as many would suggest. There's strong evidence from the church fathers that, uh, for the priority of Matthew. Their testimony is quite clear that Matthew was the first gospel written followed by Mark, Luke, and John, okay? So that's something to keep in mind um, when looking at the book of Matthew, okay? Let's see here. World of human vessels. Okay, all right, let's go to the next slide here. The purpose and basic outline of Matthew. So Matthew was written um, to the Jews to demonstrate that Jesus of Nazareth is the king of the Jews. That's basically the theme of Matthew, okay? Matthew formed a connecting link between the Old Testament books and the writings of the New Testament. Matthew shows how these prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Um, the chart, I believe, is on page 48 that tells you um, the perspective of each gospel on um, on why um, each author wrote the book. These are things that we must keep in mind. You know, Matthew presenting him as king and, you know, Mark, Luke, and John, they have their, 
their um their perspectives of how they were showing who this Jesus the Christ was okay and so with Matthew he was demonstrating that Jesus Christ was the king of the Jews that he was the Messiah and he did this by using Old Testament scriptures to show the, how he fulfilled each basically each promise and um each part of the Old Testament okay Let's see here, yeah, look at the basic outline on page 82 and 83. So when you're uh, reading, like I said, when you're reading the book, kind of keep these um, these outlines in mind to kind of keep you on track. Remembering, um, what was it? In Bible study methods, there was assignment on the, uh, the book method. And I think um, one of the assignments was to create an outline. Um, of, of a book or whatnot. So basically you're, you were creating your own headings of each section just to keep, keep you on track on what that section was about. So in, in the book, the sections, they are not, I mean, they're not, you don't have to be dogmatic. You don't, these are not like it or whatever. These are just um, suggestions on how to view a certain section or whatnot. So you can make up your own titles if you want to. Anything that will help you to understand scriptures, okay? And so you see the basic outline um, of Matthew. And then you go to the, the theme of Matthew. It says, each of the gospel writers uh, view the Lord Jesus Christ from a distinct perspective. Matthew presents uh, Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah, King of the Jews. Matthew develops his theme of Jesus as King from the very beginning of his gospels. He shows that Jesus has the right ancestry to be a King because he comes from the Royal line of King David. And that's um, in chapter one, how he goes through the lineage of Jesus Christ. He uses the line of King David. So Matthew reached back and again, into the Old Testament, just demonstrate that Jesus fulfills the prophecies concerning the Messiah, okay? And then the next paragraph says, Matthew records the presentation to Israel of, of the king and offer, to, uh, offer of his kingdoms to them. He reveals um, that Israel rejected her king and his kingdom um, in spite of the words and works that were verified by his claims. And even though the generation of Israel rejected its king, Matthew shows his readers that the king will return one day to rule in great power and authority. And so that was the whole situation that was going on. There was a lot of persecution going on um, during that time. And a lot of people, they left everything to be a disciple. And now um, because of the persecution, people scattered. And so Matthew was in um, Alexandria, Egypt when he wrote the letter and was writing to the Jews, encouraging them that, um, that this is the king and then one day he's going to come back, okay? So any questions about Matthew so far? Okay. All right, so um, the next section here is the special considerations um, of Matthew. Um, uh, in, in the book, it talks about his miracles, his teaching and certain events, uh, Matthew's use of Old Testament, Matthew's use of the word kingdom, and it was three usage of the word kingdom. He ta um, Jesus talked about the spiritual kingdom, the literal kingdom, and the mystery uh, kingdom. 
So with the spiritual kingdom on page 86 to 87, it says the spiritual kingdom, which closely related to God's universal kingdom, is composed of elect of all ages who have the experience of new birth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then it talks about the literal kingdom. Remember, I talked about they were actually looking for um, someone to establish their the kingdom back. And it said the word kingdom has to do with the literal earthly kingdom, the Messiah. Um, also called the millennium. This earthly kingdom is fulfillment of the covenant of God made with the king, King David. And so they won't see this literal kingdom until the millennial age. Okay. So um, in the book of Revelation talks about that. Okay. But they had no idea that they had to wait this long (laughs) uh, to see the literal kingdom. And then the last part is the mystery kingdom. Um, So let me see here on page, I think it's on 80, 87 in your, in your book, I believe. Um, it talks about the mystery kingdom. It's another uh, meaning for kingdom um, as used by Matthew's the mystery aspect as expressed in the kingdom and the parables. And so you, that's what Matthew, he talks a lot um, with the parables. He always says the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. So that's when, that's what, um, uh, that's what uh, Matthew, you know, was talking about, talking about um, giving us uh, characteristics and the aspects of this kingdom, um, uh, of the, I guess the mystery part of it or whatnot. So, um, and so, yeah, so definitely read through that when you get um, a chance. And I believe that's pretty much it for Matthew. And then um, Benware, the, the author, he gives us kind of a synopsis of each section um, of of the book of Matthew and try to, you know, basically this is a study aid or study tool to help you understand the book of Matthew, okay? So any questions about that? About background or anything of that sort? All righty. So remember, all we're doing is just giving the author, the date, the time, the the purpose, and the outline of the book, okay? Okay. So the next one is the Gospel of Mark. Um, Someone tell me um, what you know about Mark. He was a son of Peter. I'm about to say, tell me better answer. (laughs) And the nephew of Barnabas. You said he was the son of Peter? Well, he called him his son in scripture. He was a disciple of Peter. Okay, yeah, he was a disciple. Yeah, he wasn't his, uh, you know. Not uh, biological son, spiritual. Yeah, Yeah, he was a disciple of Peter and the the nephew of Barnabas. Anybody else know anything about uh, Mark? He's his target audience was the Romans. Yes, good. Yes, he appears to have more of a to me like a bold spirit because of how he, you know, he just got right to me. He got straight to the point. Right, right, good, good. Yep, he sure did. Yep. Any anybody else know anything about Mark? Yeah, I remember about his mom. She was a widow. Yes, he was a widow. Yep. And um, she was she was a wealthy widow, they said. Yes, wealthy. Huh? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Especially her house. 
that was the place where they had the, the Lord's Supper. They believed that it was Mark's mother house. She had an upper room and um, they believe that that's where they had the Lord's Supper. And also they believe that um, uh, they had um, church there as well. One of the first churches that were formed, they used um, Mark's mother house. So yeah. So Mark, is, he's a key figure. He was a um, student of Peter. And also he was a student of Paul as well, eventually, <laughs> after they got over their, uh, their humps. <laughs> he became a um, student of, of Paul as well, um, a disciple of Paul, and was very helpful. Okay. So once again, we have but external evidence to support the position that John Mark, the nephew of Barnabas, authored the gospel that bears its name. The witness um, of the early church uniformly assigned it to Mark. Papias, Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, Origen, and Jerome all state that Mark wrote this gospel. So let's go into the book here on page 98. Let's see here. Okay, yeah, so that's the first part I just read there. Um, the next paragraph. It says Mark is uh, first mentioned by, by name in Acts 12 and 12, John who was also called Mark. So like many in his day, he was known by two names. John was his Hebrew name and Mark was his Latin name. Um, three times in the New Testament, he is mentioned with both names being used um, twice as spoken as John and five times as Mark. Um, let's see here, let's get down here. Though not mentioned by name, many commentators believe that Mark was the young man that fled from the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of the Lord's arrest there. So yeah, I remember when he was in the garden and somebody ran away that was naked or something like that. They believe that that was John Mark <laughs> in the garden. Um, next paragraph is Mark lived in Jerusalem and was the son of a widow who lived there also. Apparently his mother was fairly wealthy. It is probable that his mother was a person of some substance since, according to Acts 12, her house was regarded as the rendezvous for many members of the primitive church. And of course, we said Matthew, Mark was the nephew of Barnabas. Skip down a few lines. It says, then when Paul and Barnabas left on their mission, missionary journey, Mark went along um, as their helper. However, for a reason unknown, he abandoned the missionary expedition before the work was finished, uh, much to Paul's displeasure. Um, Paul's displeasure. Later, when the secondary missionary, uh, missionary journey was proposed by Paul, Barnabas wanted to take Mark again. Paul refused and the two parted company with Barnabas taking Mark on the missionary journey to Cyprus. And I think the next paragraph is so key. It says about 11 years uh, went by before Mark is again mentioned in scripture. Um, he proved himself to Paul and was called a fellow worker. Okay. So about some 10, 11 years later, Mark was still on the scene and, um, Paul considered, considered him to be a faithful worker. And so definitely read through that paragraph. I thought that was um, a really cool thing that Paul, uh, that Mark, he was uh, considered by Paul a faithful servant and by Peter a faithful servant as, as well, okay? Let's see here. All right, so- I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty awesome that 
they were transparent enough about the fact that they had some disagreements. Yeah. Um, you know, helps us to feel better, except we don't handle it well in our, <laughs> in our time, but they um, handle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we don't handle it well. But even Paul was like, no, you know, no, we can't use Mark or whatever. And because of that disagreement, <laughs> Paul and Barnabas, they, they broke up, you know what I'm saying? Like, Barnabas went another way and Paul went to another way, but they were able to reconcile, even though it was 10 years later, but they were able to reconcile or whatnot. Where with us, we once you mess up, that's it. Ain't no rec ain't no reconciling. So yeah, yeah. So it, it, it that helps us to keep in mind that, um, especially with Mark, Mark was a very timid person, but after a while, as he began to grow and as he began to mature, um, he began to um, do the work of the Lord. And it, it is a high, I guess, a high regard to receive positive commendations from Peter and Paul or whatnot. So we have to remember when we're doing ministry, you may not get it right at first. Um, it may be intimidating at first, but um, you need to basically give yourself time to, to grow and to mature. Um, and to get to, to a point where um, you're leaning on God more uh, when it comes to not being fearful and things of that sort. And, you know, Mark, he did teaching in the churches and things of that sort. So, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, anybody else? Was uh, Mark the youngest um, out of the gospel? Oh, yeah, okay. he, yeah, he was the youngest. He was one of the youngest. So he was probably, um, I think probably John and Mark, probably, probably the same age, or Mark was probably a little younger, but yeah, he was, he was young. Yep. Anybody else? Okay. All right. Cool beans. So let's hop into the place and date of Mark. I don't have the, yes, I do. It's 1023. Okay. All right. So, um, so we see here in the Gospel of Mark how the information we count as reliable is derived. So we know some things um, and piece them together, that information with other internal evidence to draw inference about the place of, um, place of the book's writing. The same thing is done to determine the date of the book. Irenaeus first tells us that Mark wrote this Gospel after the death of Peter between 64 and 68 AD. Um, uh, see here under place and date of Mark, it says, although several dates have been suggested for the gospel of Mark, a date is about 64 to 68 seems probable. This is based to a large extent of the statements made by the early church fathers. Kind of talked about that. Um, the next program says, it's generally accepted that Mark wrote his gospel in Rome with a Roman audience in mind. And that's what Tanya was talking about. Yep, he wrote to the Romans and the um, he had a um, technique. Um, let's see here. In the same paragraph, go down a few sentences, it says he translated Aramaic expressions for the benefit of his readers. Even more indicatively, he explained Greek um, expressions by their Latin equivalents and used a number of Latin terms. So right there, that just made me think like Mark was pretty smart. He wasn't no, you know, just a regular guy. He was, he was pretty smart 
Um, so more substantial evidence for a Roman origin comes from Mark's reference to Simon of Cyrene as the father of Alexander and Rufus. Um, here's a, a, a bonus question. Does anybody remember seeing Simon of Cyrene somewhere else in, in the Bible? He helped to carry the cross. That's right. He helped carry Jesus' cross. Yeah. And so now we see him um, back on the scene in the book of Book of Acts. Uh, Siren and Siren as the father of Alexander and Rufus. Uh, Paul, he considered, I believe he considers Simon as like a, you know, like a father and his uh, in the, the wife as well. He considered a mother. I think he, he says that in the book of Acts. So this is the most naturally to be understood as meaning um, that these men were personally known to Mark's readers. Romans 16 and 13 indicates that Rufus was a member of the church at Rome. Okay. All right, let's keep going here. The purpose and basic outline of Mark. So Mark's purpose in writing was to give a Romans a view of Jesus Christ that would fit their way of thinking. Another church father, Clement of Alexander, gave us much of that information about the purpose of uh, Mark's gospel. Uh, let's see here. In the book on the purpose of Mark, let's see here. Go to the second sentence. It says, he wished to present the Savior, son of, son of God, in such a way that they um, would be one to him. Clement of Alexander, um, he, he was actually a student of Paul. Yeah, he was a student of Paul, said that the gospel of Mark was written in response to a request by the Romans for a written account of Christ's life and ministry. The Romans were, um, it is said, so moved by the oral preaching of the gospel that they wanted it written, uh, wanted it in writing so that they could go over it, uh, go, over, go over it again and again. And that's understandable because of the way that that Mark uh, wrote um, the, the book of Mark. And so he, he was quick in his actions and things of that sort. What words that he used a lot in his writing that kind of moved the gospel along? Immediately. Yes, he's always saying immediately or straightway. I love it. Yeah, and um, I, I can't let me see what page is on. Um, under special considerations about his writing style, they said that Matt, uh, that Mark uses the word and over 1,300 times. So it was just like a continual thing. And that makes sense to write it in that form for the Romans because of how um, their, their um, culture of entertainment and how things got to captivate their attention. And that's, how, um, and that's how Mark wrote it, you know, to captivate the audience attention and things of that sort, okay? all right basic outline um so of course you see the, the outline to keep in mind as you see um uh yep let me see here the special considerations mark's writing style we kind of talked about that um let's see let's read that first paragraph on mark's writing style said so mark's gospel is a gospel of action perhaps reflecting the personality of his mentor the apostle peter Mark wanted to communicate this amazing relentless activity of Jesus Christ rather than his teachings. So that's why you don't get a lot of his teachings, but you always see Jesus fighting against some type of demon in, in, Mark's, in Mark's gospel. So he wanted to emphasize his works rather than his teachings. So Matthew writing is brief, abrupt, vivid, and, much, um, and very much to the point. 
So in the verse 670 verses that constitute Mark's gospel, the word and is used more than 1300 times, giving the impression that Mark was in a hurry to tell his story. More than 40 times he states some, something took place immediately or straightway. So about 150 times Mark uses um, historical present tense of the verb, okay? So that's, that's how the feel of the gospel according to Mark is. Uh, I remember when, when Tammy was teaching it, I, I grew a, um, a respect for the book of Mark because I didn't like the book of Mark because it was so short and because how it was written. But understanding now the background of the book of Mark and his intentions on why he wrote it that way, I like the book of Mark even more. So that's Me definitely- too. And also the fact that they were under heavy persecution at the time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. and so he had to, you know, quickly write it or whatnot. So yeah, yeah. All right, Elder Tammy, we know you. We know, we know. Oh, the haters are great. Uh, we know you taught the class. <laughs> I love Mark now too. I mean, it was exciting to me. Sorry. <laughs> no, it was a it was a beautiful class. So I it I I I enjoyed it. Like seriously, like Mark was Mark is dope to me. Y'all know my personality, so. Get yeah. to the point. Hurry up. Lord have mercy. But yeah, he's long-winded. Okay. So this is the special consideration. <laughs> the consideration of Mark. Um, let's see here. So definitely read those sections there um, about the content of Mark and um, his relationship with Apostle Peter and things of that sort there. So here's the, uh, the outline. Um, Mark uh, presents Jesus as being his servant, but yet at the same time, is more of a, like a superhero. He was always moving and always going and fighting uh, demons and things of that sort. Every time I think of Mark, the book of Mark, I think of like almost a comic book, you know, how it has the, the um, um, what's the, I can't even think of the words that they had the bam, zoom and all that stuff. I'm gonna say automatopoeia, but that's not the word. Um, those type of literature, uh, so that's what I think of when I read the book of Mark, that Jesus is always in action, fighting something, you know. So any questions about the book of uh, Mark or any more comments about it? You know, you, you don't need to um, help pastors start thinking about Batman. All I'm saying. <laughs> All I'm saying. But it's, it's action. It's action packed just like that. The way Get up wrote. off me now. She done already done rebuked me today. Get up <laughs> off me. <laughs> gone. Gone. all right all right all right so um it is 10 30 so i'm going to stop right here and so uh the next assignment is just you know continue your reading on the on the gospels um, the PowerPoint is in the Dropbox. Um, it's on the website as well for you to download and to look at and to, you know, create yourself an outline or whatnot um, so you can understand the, the books of the Gospels, okay? So any questions about what we've gone over so far, even in the previous weeks, any questions that you might have? We're good. All right, cool beans. Let me take um, attendance and then I will end the class here. Let's see here. Let's see. I got Eva, I got Toya. 
Wyman, I got Paige, I got Tammy, Tracy, I got Raymona, I got Lindsay, I got Trish, I got Renee. So yep, um, Tanya. I got let's see Khalil, um, Bobby, Bridget, and Eric. Hi, Eric. Congrats to you, sir. Um, let's see here. All right. So I think I got everybody. Um, next week, just finish up. You know the reading, like I said, and we're going to be hopping um, into um, the book of Acts. So I, I can't wait to get to the book of Acts. So, like, um, like always, if you have questions, you could definitely reach out to me um, about the reading. Um, I believe everybody should have a book, uh, so I think we're set on that. So, any other questions or anything? We're pretty good. All right, cool beans. Let me um, let me pray out. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that you are God and God alone. I thank you for keeping everybody um, in, in health and strength, Father. I pray, oh God, that you will continue to um, guide us through this reading, Father, and um, continue to increase our capacity, Father, that we can receive more of you, Father, and that we can understand your word and um, I pray, God, that we will continue to be serious Bible students, Father, hungry for your word, Father, that um, that even outside of class, they're doing their readings and their assignments and things of that sort. And I pray that their appetite will just increase to the point where they don't have to wait until Friday to do, do reading, but just read it just on a leisure time because they just want to know more about you, Father. I thank you for those who are growing, God, and those who are dedicating their time out you know, God, to worship and to adore you, Father. So through through learning your word, Father. So God, I give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm about to call you real fast, okay? Okay. All right, you guys, have a good one. God bless you guys. Good God class. Bless you Thank you. Good class. Thank you. Bye, Nana, girl. Bye.